Welcome to Teeth and Titanium, a podcast about oral surgery, residency, and life. We would like to thank the Canadian Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery for their continued support. All opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and their guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the CAOMS. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for surgical decision making. Welcome everybody back to Teeth and Titanium. This is episode 19, our March 2022 episode. Oscar, how's it going? Honestly, I'm doing really well. It's been very busy because it's kind of reading week and March break around here. So the office is really, really packed. How have you been? Yeah, no, I agree. I really kind of earmarked March break. We're kind of different. Like we can't take our profession. You can't take vacation. I mean, people do take vacation during March break, obviously, when they have kids and it's the only time they can get away from school. But the opportunity cost for our profession for taking like a December break, a holiday break or a Christmas break or it just doesn't make sense break. Or a summer break, it's 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 a huge because I, I find people that I saw in November one in March break or December one in March break. Oh, and so this is your real first year out in private practice. You'll notice, especially because your kid is still so little and I don't have kids. So we don't have to take March break or Christmas off or the summers off. It doesn't make if you don't have to take those times off, it doesn't make sense because your patients will request it. We're already booking our summer because the patient will come in like, hey, can I book the my wisdom teeth in the summer when I'm off school? So if you don't really have to be off, don't. Yeah, no, de- definitely. I find that these are hot, hot commodity appointments that everyone wants that March break or that summer. I'm already noticing it right away. And, and then I laugh when a patient comes in, let's say today, and they'll be they're coming in for their consult. And it's March break, and they'll be like, "Okay, can I get you seen this week?" I'm like, "Yeah, for your consult. Your surgery's not <laughs> happening. There's no chance. They've been booked for like two months for these surgeries." I find one of the most awkward things is when you're doing a consult, and about halfway through, it becomes very apparent that the patient thinks that at the end of this consult, they're gonna have the tooth removed. That is when I start speaking Spanish. I just like dodge that question <laughs> like crazy. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no hablo español. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No English, sorry, no teeth today. Yeah, like, oh man, that is the worst feeling. And especially if it's like, I know you shouldn't judge a patient, but if it's like a little older patient that you can tell it's been hard to them to get to your office, you're like, oh, I really hope I can fit you in. Like, I hope we have a room in the back for you. Cause if not, you feel so bad for them. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And especially if it's like under a local or something, you know, it'd be quick. Sometimes you try and just slot them in. But I do find when it's more complex and they, they obviously expect the surgery to happen, then it's like, uh, yeah, kind of a awkward uh, ending to the consult. And you're like, so you'll be seen in three months. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's nice when they say, when, when's the soonest I can get done? It's like, oh, actually, I actually don't have access to the schedule. Only the front does. You make it sound like you can't access the schedule. I throw my front desk under the bus every day. <laughs> Like, they'll be like, when can I be booked? Oh, that is the one question I can't answer. I have no idea. When we we bring you to the front, they'll let you know. The second question, how about finances? I have no idea. They will let you know at the front. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm not as bad as you, but uh, definitely, definitely a frequent line is that I don't have access to the schedule. Because the truth of the matter is, though, if we're honest here, like we know in general kind of how busy you are and stuff yeah. like that, but we don't actually know where they can slot things in or move things around or what's urgent. So it actually is kind of honest. Like they're going to have a better access. To the no, no, I'm a, I'm a schedule narc. I can tell you when my next availability is. Oh, really? Yeah, so I would know for sure, but I'm not telling the patient I know for sure. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm the opposite. I have no, I couldn't tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah. So in that case, we're completely different. Completely different. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't really look ahead that much. I try and once a week look at the week just to make sure, you know, if there's an implant case, you yep. have the implants or if there's, you know, an arthrocentesis, you have the you just, injectables, you like stuff like that. Yeah, 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 
but on a day to day or, or definitely if you were asking me when, I, when my next appointment is, I would have no idea for that for sure. One thing I want to talk to you about, Oscar, is that we had a, a fan reach out to us, Brad Ray. You don't know Brad. You've never met him, I don't think. No. He's a former McGill grad. He graduated before I even started. So he knows, you know, Ehab, Jordan, kind of the higher generation. He wasn't he graduated before I came. Nice. But I met him as an alumni. We've been to a lot of conferences together. Super, super nice guy. He works uh, just across the border from Montreal and uh, Plattsburgh. It's in New York State. Is he Canadian? Like right he's actually American. He's from Iowa. Oh, OK. I believe he's from Iowa. If I'm wrong, he's going to make fun of me. But I'm, but I'm pretty sure he's from Iowa. Yeah. Or Idaho. I can I can never get those, you know. <laughs> those eyes. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. There's too many states. Yeah. So he, he he's American. He's married to a girl from Montreal, though. Oh, OK. So her family's in Montreal. So he went to McGill and he works across uh, just like literally across the border, probably 45 minutes from the border, maybe an hour and a half from Montreal. And he reached out saying, do we need a producer for the show? He, he wants to produce the podcast. Wow. Like, why, what, first of all, what does that mean? I'm confused. So, so this is the funny thing is he's a loyal listener. He's listened to every episode. He said, I, I, I want to produce. So I responded saying, oh, like, what would that involve? And like, what do you mean by producer? We've never had that offer. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Like, what would it you do? It sounds great, but I don't know what that, yeah, what is, yeah, what is happening? <laughs> he never responded. Maybe he didn't know what was happening either. <laughs> he, he, I asked him he, what his roles and responsibilities were. He ghosted me. He's like, he's like, oh God, they're onto me. I don't know if there yeah, are any he's roles. Like, this is too much work. <laughs> so what he, what he really wanted is, you know how celebrities are like, executive producers and yeah, name only. they get a cameo and they have their name on things yeah yeah that's what he wanted you know what i like brad already brad is pretty smart <laughs> i think he's good you want to change the name to teeth and titanium by brad ray Post and then never do anything <laughs> you know what I, like again that's smart i'm not even gonna blame him for that <laughs> yeah so we, we appreciate you reaching out brad but until you come out with like an with, actual with specific list of roles that you're gonna do <laughs> we need yeah. to know this Heads up to anyone else that wants to join our podcast team. You actually have to tell us what you're going to do. Yeah, you can't just join. <laughs> uh, but I will but say yeah, no, credit that... to Brad, and I'm excited to hear what these rules are. Yeah, me too. Maybe he'll reach out again. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was something funny I wanted to bring up with you. But without further ado, let's jump into some current events. So Oscar, believe it or not, I have a ton of current events to talk to you about and uh, a bunch of updates to give you about what's going on in my life. What do you the mean, believe one... it or not? This is you. You always have something going on. But I, I would have thought that it would have stopped. You know what? I was starting to be like, when is this guy's stuff going to end? And then you come well, up. We went, we went through a period where you were giving more updates than me. I don't even think that's going to ever happen, though. I've realized you're just always going to have something going on. There's too, I realize I have too many things going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. At some point, the audience is going to be like, man, just stop talking about yourself. And the thing is, I always, because I have way too many things on the go, there's always something in the pipeline. Yeah. Like, I'll give you I'll give you an example. MR Reed, we've talked about so many times, but I'm currently writing up the article to try and get it published, yep. right? So that's not an update. I'm not going to talk about that. But eventually, hopefully, knock on wood, one it'll day be it'll published. be published. That'll be an update I have to give. So I have these, like, milestones or these things on the on the conveyor they're, belt, they're on in the, the pipeline. Cycle. Yeah, they're in the cycle. They're slowly coming. So that's why it's kind of a drip feed over time. But well, one of the updates I wanted to tell you about, Oscar, was about, you know, the ski trip. But before I get to that, I did write the American board exam, the oral exam, as you know. And I, I thought it went well. I, I was really confident after leaving. I thought it was I thought it was a really well done exam. I told you how efficient it was and how you just get it done quickly and how I was really impressed with how it was run. Yeah. When we talked after, like I messaged you to see how it went, you didn't sound you weren't cocky, but you sounded like you sounded confident. You thought you had done well. Yeah, I felt good about it. In fact, I, I would say I felt better leaving that exam than I did leaving the Canadian exam, if anything. Which is great, like if because you, you knew you passed the Canadian one, right? So if you leave an exam feeling like that, you're like, there's a good chance I'm going to do well. And I prepped way more for the Canadian exam. This one I barely did anything for. 
But I think some of that life experience and just, you know, working through some cases, you get kind of more familiar with running through things. You're just, yeah, you just get better at the scenario. So I think, I think that life experience does play a role. Yeah. So I, I thought it went well. Luckily, the, the results were released and I'm happy to report that I did pass. So officially licensed in the States as well, and hopefully done with all these board exams like forever. You might think of something weird. You might go take one in Europe or something. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if <laughs> no. next month I hear, so just so you know, I signed up for another exam. But honestly, <laughs> congrats on that. That's pretty good. Yeah, so I, I was really happy. And But you know, the year before, I think there was a stat where the pass rate for this exam for the American boards was 98%. Wow. So I, was like, I was like, that's really high. And even the Canadian boards is traditionally, they used to say around 70%, like a 30% fail rate. Yeah varies year to year yeah i'm not sure it was uh what it was for the canadian exams when i wrote it but i thought that was really high but this year they released statistics and for first time people the pass rate was only 72 percent for repeat candidates the pass rate was 17 percent crazy like when i read that stat that you sent I, I was like wow yeah i thought that was really shocking for fast track fast track is the new thing they introduced where you can do the written when you're a chief and the oral one year out so it's one year early had a pass rate of 81%. So that actually kind of makes sense. The closer you are to residency. I think that makes sense for sure. And like you're you're kind of in the study mode because you're still a resident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, exactly. I think that works out. And then overall, the pass rate was 69%. So quite low. Yeah, yeah. But again, there's a 17% in there though that really drops that average. Definitely. I feel bad because it's the repeat candidates. So hopefully they'll have better luck next year. But Overall, quite a low percentage uh, pass rate. So that, that made me feel better about the fact that I passed and I, it felt more like an accomplishment. Yeah, I like say. it wasn't a joke exam. It was a hard exam and you did well. Yeah. And I got to give a huge shout out to other people that we know that wrote it and passed. Mohammed Al Rabini. Yep. Who we've talked about. Stats he Machine. He, Stats Machine. He's passed. Sina Hashemi. Oh, he's nice. Oh, yeah. One year below me at McGill and the current fellow at U of T. Yeah. He I, passed. I think Harsh Manget. So Mohammed's co resident. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He passed as well. Congrats. Congrats to him. So one thing funny about Cena, we mentioned him, is that he he told me that he actually started listening to the show because of Cam and Edie's episode. So he went and listened to Cam and Edie's episode. That's, but now when he he's starts going, that's when he starts listening. I know. Right? That's what I said. What a snake. Like, he starts listening now. It's like, you knew me for six years. Yeah. He, like, I thought. You spent three months with Cam and Edie. He's now, like, oh, I got to listen to Cam and Edie's episode. That's the reason he listens, eh? Yeah. It's like knowing us <laughs> for six years, Man, you were like, nothing. He, it never went through his mind no. that guy would have something good to say. Yeah. He comes to hear. You are like reaching out to him, making him feel more welcome in Toronto. Doesn't matter at all. Kim goes on the podcast. He's like, I got to <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, that's the pull of our guests, yep. man. They bring in new listeners. Yeah. Yep. Kim was a hot prop. We knew that was going to be the case. And we knew he would bring in some new people. For sure. Didn't expect it to be my co-resident for six years. But I would know, say would not have put some. money on that. That's the one I wouldn't have <laughs> put money on. So he, he started listening. But credit to him. He, he thought it was really good. So now he started going backwards. Oh, that's so great. So he's... He's listening in a weird order. He's going backwards. Usually we recommend people that like it start at the beginning and go forwards. Yeah. You see the progression. I was just saying, you see careers us grow also too, right? Like you're going to see us cool. in reverse. You see us at the, yeah, you see us at the beginning yeah. and then go forward. Like Cena's going to think we're progressively dumber and dumber and less accomplished. <laughs> He's like, how did you have a house and then get married? He's like, Oscar, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's in a little bit of a weird order, but hey, at least he's listening, so he can't really complain. And the other guy we mentioned, Stats Machine, Mohammed. You know, I just found out he only just started recently listening because he knew his name was on the podcast. I know. He wasn't like a regular listener No, before. he sent me a text and he's like, I'm catching up with your life through the podcast. I'm like, you're telling me this now? We talk like <laughs> once a week, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> Show's been on for two years. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
So at least congrats to both of them for passing and also the fact that they listened. So that, that's always great. But the other update I wanted to give you was about the ACOMS meeting. So the ACOMS uh, winter meeting was the ski meeting I talked about. Yeah, that's exciting. In Utah, Deer Valley. So we talked about it a lot leading up to it. So was it and, bougie? And would it yeah, exactly. Would it live up to the hype? And I got to say, it, it, it really, really did. Wow. I wasn't expecting you to be that like confident that yes, it did. Wow. So... As I said last time, something because I'm new to skiing as far as this stuff goes, like I can ski, but because I'm new to like ski conferences and ski resorts, I never did that before. Certain things that I notice or I find cool or like bougie, other people might say they're standard. They like might it's normal. say that's normal. But I think you as a relatively new skier would also relate. So, for example, where we're staying, like obviously we're staying at, you know, a really nice hotel right near the mountain. So. The hotel itself is super nice, super high level of service, like, you know, above and beyond. Wow. Okay. I already like the and that's also, Well, that's, and also that's where the conference is. So the food is super high level. So for example, you know, you always have like a little bit of a snack bar in between lectures and stuff like that. It's a custom pasta bar. That's amazing. They're making you a fresh pasta with all the ingredients you want. You're like, scratch. I wouldn't even go to the lecture. Just go for the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> they have an open bar with anything you want. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, they have desserts, they have coffee, tea. So, so the facility is really nice. Mm -hmm. And then for me, you can walk from the hotel to the beginning of this, of the mountain, like the, to the chairlift. Wow. So it's almost like a ski in, ski out. It's close. I guess, you know, the more official people said it wasn't that because you had to walk. And I yeah. know this sounds Those are the really walk bougie like, people. Well, as I said, you had to walk like literally five minutes yeah. to get to the bottom of the hill. Yeah. So for me, this was the closest I've ever been. I've always had to take a shuttle or a car yeah. or something like that. Here, you could just literally walk in your ski stuff That's across awesome. five minutes. And you're on the slopes. So it's technically not a ski and ski out because I guess you had to you walk. Had to walk. But it's like, it was it was like five minutes. Yeah. I'm used to ski passes where you have to, you know, clip it, clip it to your jacket and you uh -huh. know, yellow is Tuesday, and that's yeah. why you know I'm like legit. <laughs> this is like an RFID patch you put in your jacket, and as you walk by, automatic turnstiles open and close to let you onto the chairlift. So it's funny you say that, because so I would think that was really bougie. And if you hadn't if I had heard this story, let's say two weeks ago, I would have been like, What? That's crazy. Because I've started skiing at Blue Mountain for everyone in Ontario. That's one of the bigger ones in Ontario. Like there's not very much to ski in Ontario, okay? And it has, yeah, like you stick it to your jacket. But then Lexi's, my wife's parents come from like Pembroke, a really small town, and they're going to ski at a small ski hill in Ottawa. And they have that. They're they like, have oh. that? So, because we went to Blue Mountain with them and they're like, oh, this is pretty dated. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, the ski hill we go to, you put a little like thing in your jacket. And as you go through the, like it scans you and it opens it for you. I'm like, what? So. It is bougie, but it would have been way bougier if I heard this story two weeks ago. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. You, your mind would have been blown. I would have been and like, this you is crazy. Uh, I'm like, where are you? you would talk to Lexi's parents and be like, are you guys in Deer Valley? Yeah, I was, like, I was like, are you guys in the future? Like, how much are you spending over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was really bougie. They have someone to put on your ski boots and take them off. What? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. That was the best part. I knew you'd laugh at that. That is amazing. Now, I will say it was an optional service. You didn't have to I do it. I would check that off every time because my flexibility is zero. So that would have been amazing. Not only that, but ski boots, everyone knows, they're impossible to get into and I, get out of. They're I think so I pulled tight, they're hard to, to reach over. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a total pain to put oh, on. That I would have clicked that option every single time. So that was pretty bougie. They had a ski valet. So when you're done at the day, you give them your skis and your poles and you just walk back to your hotel. And then the next day it's like a tag and you just get, you don't have to bring your skis with you. It's at the, would it's at the mountain. Would every time also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this I definitely take advantage amazing. of that. That sounds so yeah. good. And then I guess the one thing that I wouldn't notice, but apparently it's a huge deal, is all the runs are groomed. 
So that they're they're made sure like the the, the snow distributed the power of the ice. Like I don't know notice that because for me I'm just you know in the blues and maybe a black here or there. But like I wouldn't really be able to tell the difference. But other people are like, oh yeah, this is so nice. It's oh, so well groomed and wow. stuff. Like, they're able to tell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. But, but honestly, it sounds like you had a great trip. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it it was great to see a lot of people there. So as I told you, you know, a lot of my fellowship people go there. So obviously, Farrell was there. His brother Bart Farrell was there. Are they big skiers? They're huge. So everyone there, I would say I, I'm more of the amateur side of the skiers. Wow. Like they've all been going to ski meetings and skiing like their whole lives. So for them, like a black diamond is like a warm up. See, and that's funny because you're saying you do all the blues and you do some, you'll do some blacks and do comfortable. So I would be like, I'm not skiing with anybody. I'm like, okay, there. I'm on the greens and let me see those blues. Let me check them out. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, because like again, I've just started this year and wow, that's impressive that they're that good. Well, that's what I did the first day. I only did greens the first day and I did one or two blues. And then the second day I was with Farrell. I was with Curtis Gill, who's a Canadian actually that trained at UNC that I met there. Super nice guy. And he's good friends with all of them. And he is out in BC. Oh, he's just outside of Vancouver. Okay, that's, so he skied his whole life. That's he goes different to level skiing. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he's very experienced. And then a couple of other people that there were friends at the conference and they were all high level. So we started off and went down to blue, but it was a double blue, which I've never seen before. Oh, I've never it's heard that. It's a double that. blue, which is like an advanced intermediate. I've never seen oh. that before. And I survived. It was fine. And then they're like going towards a black diamond. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll meet you at the bottom. And Farrell's like, no, no, just come. Don't worry. There's no moguls. And I guess he's right. If there's no moguls. You can make it down. You can make it down. You just have to do way more like, you know, plowing and, and carving and taking your time. But it's doable. But actually, it ended up working well because by skiing with them, I felt like I became a better skier because they forced me to go down. Tr- that I, there's no way. And I you're trying to keep down. up with him. And so, yeah, like you're just getting pushed a little out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And what's nice is you have to with the right people because they would always wait for me or they'd have one person behind me to kind of, you know, keep an eye on you. So if you have the right group of skiers that are more advanced, but they're patient, it can actually work out quite well. And, and so I've seen that, like, again, I'm a brand new, like, first time on the ski slopes this year, right? And I've noticed that with who Lexi, she's amazing. Skis, snowboards, she's great at, at both. But she would push me just a little bit. At first, I was just wanted to stay on greens because I just started to feel comfortable. I'm like, oh, this is fun. She's like, but you kind of have to try other things. On my own, I probably wouldn't have gone on the other on the other hills because I'm like, oh, I'm having fun on this. She forced me to go on the blues. But because she waits for me, it's like you do feel comfortable. You kind of just follow the path they take. And you're like, okay, I can make it down this hill. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. You, you need someone to push you a little bit. Yeah. No, that's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So that was fun. And then there were a ton of other fellowship people like Jim Howell, who was one of my staff there, does a lot of orthognathic. Uh, Dan Cook, one of my staff, does a lot of TMJ. I was there for four days. Okay, nice. Yeah. So it was a good amount of time. I think I did two days of skiing. I was there for four days for the conference. So it was quite nice. I highly recommend it. I had a great time. What was the uh, program sure like? The- like how, like what lectures in the morning and then the free in the afternoon or? Yeah. Lectures in the morning, just two hours, seven to nine. Yeah. With breakfast included. Yeah. Then you ski the whole day and then lecture four to six. That's awesome. That's a great setup. It's the best setup because you can ski the whole day and by then you're tired. So you just do lecture in the afternoon and then you can do dinners. You can go out, you can do whatever you want in the evening. Like it was really, really nice. And so that you feel this is something you're going to do every year. So I would like to do a ski conference each year, whether it's the Canadian one or the American one. I was going to say, because there's a Canadian one too. If you're only doing a ski conference, you're going to maybe alternate. It's tough because Bianca doesn't ski and obviously Lennox is too young. So what we should do is we should go together. You can ski. No, but Lexi skis though. Yeah, Lexi can go join your group and then me and Bianca will (laughs) will go on ours. (laughs) You guys will go on the baby, I'll go tubing. 100%. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I think it's something I have to try and convince her to get into because I think it would be fun. And I, I honestly, I had a really 
great time. Like it was a really fun ski trip. Okay, and last question. Did you have snow pants? I did. Okay. I brought my snow pants and thank God because it was fresh snow. It was wet. Like I didn't fall <laughs> once again. Nice. Successful trip with no falling. But it would have been rough. And so speaking of falling, because like you've given an update, so I'll update on mine. And especially for, for Bianca, she is going to start learning. So I had gone three times to Blue Mountain, was on rental skis, and I was having a lot of fun. And I felt like I was progressing. I went from pizza, french fry stuff to like I was doing parallel turns or doing decently parallel turns with the rentals. So decided I'm going to commit to this. This is something we're both enjoying. Bought skis, but bought beginner. Like I told the guy, I want beginner skis. I don't care to upgrade in a year or two if I have to. Like, that's fine. I don't want to buy skis that are too good for me. Went on the skis and absolutely hated them. Like, fell every time. So I went four times in a row, committed to them, and I had never fallen on the rentals. Fell every time. And I'm like, this is, I'm miserable. Like, this is what's the difference? I have no idea, but I'm like, this isn't fun. But I'm like, I was just trying to tough it out and say, okay, I'm going to do it. We went last week and I said, Lex, you know what? I'm just going to try the rentals again. Like maybe it's just in my head and it's, and it's not the skis. It's just me put the rentals back on. Amazing. Felt amazing again. Did every, so are the rentals higher quality than the ones you bought? I don't know what it is, but I'm selling my skis for literally a hockey puck. Pretty much. You can't return them. Well, no, you can't return. Like, and I, I would have returned the day after if I could have, but you can't, as soon as they're used, you cannot return them at least for more. Oh, that's the policy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And And it makes sense though, because like, how are you, you use them, even if you use them once, you still see scuff marks on them. You see that mm. they're used, like they can't sell it as a new product. Especially if you're falling around all the places oh, like you are. Oh man, like I was crushing the skis. And so <laughs> right now, if someone says, I'll give you a hockey puck or a sack of potatoes, I'll be like, here, you can have my skis. Like just because it wasn't fun anymore, just to say when you are in someone new, how much equipment can change. Cause I went back on the rentals and I loved it. I was like, this is fun. Like wow. I can go down any hill So right maybe now. look into buying the rentals. Trust me, already over that. Done all the research. like. I'm just, I went to the Blue Mountain person. I'm like, how much do these cost? They're like, we don't sell them. I'm like, how much do they cost? <laughs> yeah, come on. There's got to be a price. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's my that's my update on my ski stuff. Well, it's true because I always rent as well. Yeah. And it's funny when you rent, you know, they always tell you like, do you want the demo, the intro, the advance, all that stuff. And I just say, I always just tell them, listen, I'm a beginner intermediate. Give me the easiest skis to use. And it's it's better than like, I loved it. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't want anything fancy. Another thing that funny that happened is, you know, we, we talk a lot about sponsorship for these conferences and events mm-hmm. and how you should, you know, support the sponsors. I want to reemphasize, I think it's a big deal. Like, for example, there were numerous sponsors at this event, but, you know, two of the biggest ones were KLS and, and Striker slash 3D Systems. And I know people from both, both companies. I work with both companies. They're, they're terrific. Like, you know, top level customer service, yeah. super, super nice guys. It actually makes it kind of difficult sometimes because if one side yeah. had a bunch of, you know, really rude people, it'd be easy it's to easy. be like, you know, I don't want... I don't want to work with you. I don't yeah. want to work with the other side. It would make your life easy. But both both have such such great people and, and they've been so generous and nice with me. But I think one way to support is, you know, the people that support our Canadian events, you, you look at the sponsors, you look at the top level sponsors, the people that are consistently there every year giving money sponsoring, just try and use their services. So for example, in this situation, let's say Striker and KLS are the top services. Well, obviously you can't really use both unless you can split it or something like that. Yeah. But just make sure you're using one of those two. Yeah. Like, like at least you're you, using one of the sponsors rather than some other third party or you're something giving like back at that point yeah and like you said you can't use every sponsor but if you're choosing one that is supporting us you're doing your part because hopefully somebody else will choose one of the other ones yeah exactly and it'll even out and it makes a huge difference because as you know being part of the executive committee our events cannot function without these sponsors so no. they need us to use their equipment and their hardware and all that kind of stuff 
but we need them to support our conferences and make it more affordable. Otherwise, your annual conference, for example, instead of a thousand, could be like ten thousand. Yeah, and who's, no one's going to go to and that. Who, exactly, who's going to go there? Nobody. Yeah. So I really appreciated meeting all of them and then skiing with them, and it was actually funny because for 3D Systems, one of the planners that I work with, Evan, Evan Koenig. He was there. Oh, that's you know, awesome. He, he was, so it's like the person that yeah. you've heard their voice like a million times, you're meeting them in, in, in real life. You're like, it's weird. It, it was kind of trippy. <laughs> even even on the KLS side, Justin, who I uh, plan with, Justin Glinka, he was there too. And it was just so strange hearing their voices. You're like, I want to cover like, my eyes. I don't want to see you. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I, so that, that, that was really fun. And Evan, shame on him though. He, well, actually not shame on him. He didn't know we had a podcast. He just found out. So he said he's going to listen to all the episodes. Oh, so this will listen. be the test, I guess. Okay, this will be now, the test. if he hears his name, you'll know next time you're planning. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. to be fair, he didn't know we had a podcast. He actually said, why didn't you tell me you had one? I only just found out and listen and everything. Okay. So that's, that's legit. legit. Yeah. yeah, that's legit. But his, I want to say his boss at 3D Systems, Mike Rensberger, or not, maybe not his boss, his colleague, we'll say, there's another guy at 3D Systems, and he's listened to every episode. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he's saying, I love the podcast, listen to every episode. Now, get this. Remember Robert Pacquin? Yeah. Uh, said he would listen during his bike rides? Yeah. So Mike listens when he's running, and he's training. And I want to say he's training for a half marathon. I don't think it's a marathon. I think it's a half marathon. Yeah. But he runs like 15 miles a week or something oh. ridiculous. And he listens on his runs. You know what? These are good. Like, I'm surprised that they're listening during physical activity. Like, because usually, like you, I don't listen to anything when I'm working out. Which is well, I said you're like, you're crazy. That's weird. Exactly. Every every single time I work out and I think of you not listening to anything, I find it insane. And, and I get that. Like, so I know that that is weird. But most people, when they're doing it, are going to listen to something like more upbeat, more like you're working mm -hmm. out. So to listen to a podcast, I think that's that's different, actually. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts when I would run because it was a great way of like getting actually lost. getting through the podcast. Yeah. But I would then, for example, change to music and I found I was able to run way faster and way longer if I was listening to music because it was more upbeat and uplifting. For sure. Yeah, I would Whereas agree with Whereas the podcast, that. it was accomplishing a second task, but not really helping my workout, I found. Yeah, like you're almost doing it just because you're doing something else. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, so huge shout out to Mike. He listens to every episode. I, I know. Oh, well, like, for example, you can tell he's legit because when he told me, he, you're always like, okay, do you actually listen? Or yeah. maybe you've heard an episode here and there like that. And he said, dude, Teeth and Titanium. I love, love the show. I listen to every episode. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. Episode 18 with Marco Caminiti was great. <laughs> like, I was like, the guy knows the episode yeah, number. Yeah, he knows yeah. the guest. He or, knows everything. Or he knew you were going to be the there. most recent one. He, or he knew you were going to be there. He's like, I'm going to study the most recent one. And I'm going to just <laughs> drop all the things about that episode. Either way, I'm impressed. So it doesn't matter I would, to me. I would love to say that I'm not much of a celebrity that he wanted to listen just to yeah. me, but I, I don't think that's the case. He's going to send a fan mail saying, absolutely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he showed it to him and, and all the guys that were down there was a lot of fun and uh, it, was, it was great to meet them in person. No, you're definitely selling that trip. It sounds pretty awesome. It was a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll definitely, I, I actually love the fact that you're getting to skiing because it would be nice to have, to go together to one of these key conferences, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, especially if you're going to these bougie places that have all these valets for everything, I'm down to go 100%. <laughs> <laughs> next, next key conference I'm gonna go is like, uh, excuse me, who's gonna put on my boots for me? Uh, excuse me, who's gonna tie my shoes? It's like, sir, we don't do that. We just take your boots off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, moving on. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about was huge news in Ontario. And I'm not sure how relevant this is to other provinces. They'll be able to talk quite quickly, but for the longest time, as you know, oral oh. surgeons, we could not order MRIs. What a hassle. 
Such a hassle. And it yeah. was so embarrassing because you, you write send this a letter, letter oh. to the family physician saying, hi, my name is Wendell. And Literally, that's dentist. how they read it. Oral... That's how they would read your letter yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm an oral surgeon and, you know, due to the rules, I'm not allowed to order this MRI. Could you, can please? you please order? <laughs> yeah. Can you please order it for me? <laughs> and send me the report. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> they won't even send you the report. No. Because you're not the ordering physician. Yeah. It's so true. It was like just embarrassing. Super embarrassing. I'm not sure if that's the same in other provinces, but... Credit to Ozums. So Ozums is the Ontario yeah. Ontario uh, Society of Oral Massofacial Surgeons. So it's a provincial one. Each province has one. And they've been working hard um, on this. They've been working on this. And it's very easy, I find, to just assume volunteering is a waste of time or they don't do anything or nothing actually can happen. But literally, this is how everything happens. Yeah. If yeah. someone volunteers, they put in the work and they get it done. And they this is a great a example. And they get it done. And then we just like a lot of times on the sidelines get the rewards, but don't realize the work that was put in to get that reward. Yeah. So every single person in Ontario that's going to benefit thinking, oh, this is awesome. I can order MRIs now. Think of how it happened. Yeah. Think of who did that. And remember, it wasn't us. It wasn't Oscar and I. We had nothing to do with this. We're but just giving who, credit to the people who did. Yeah. Think of who made this happen and see how you can support whether yeah. it's joining ozomes whether it's going to donating meetings. whether it's going to the meeting just do something yeah. just because think about how much easier life is going to be now that you can order your own and MRI. how much less embarrassing it is exactly <laughs> it, way less embarrassing yeah, yeah. you don't have delete, to send, delete that letter you don't template have to send now. that nerdy letter anymore well okay well this only comes into effect july 1st so until july 1st we still have i'm to. not seeing one tmj patient until july 1st then <laughs> <laughs> So luckily, they got the government of Ontario to amend the Ontario Regulation Act, Controlled Act. And then basically, we can order MRIs starting July 1st. There's a new standard practice by the RCDSO that you have to read and follow, but it's pretty standard. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, it was, it was really, That's... really big news and really, really welcome news. Yeah. And I am, you know what? I am excited to see what the other provinces say. They might say, oh, you guys just got this now. And it's like no big deal for them. Yeah, definitely. I already know of some other provinces where they can already order. It's not a big deal, but I'm sure other provinces will say, hey, maybe we can use this as a yeah. as a landmark to kind yeah. of move our cause forward. This did this did bring up something I want to talk about. And I'm, I swear to God, this is not me just trying to plug MRE for no reason. But oh, this is for now sure that, a plug. You know, Here we go. No, listen, now that I order a lot of MRIs and it's almost always the same thing. It's MRI, TMJ, open and closed yep. views, right? Yep. For anterior displacement with or without reduction. And you can tell me your experience. 50% of the MRIs I get, the reports are wrong. Oh, like I'm reading the report and sometimes I don't even have to read, like read the report or you see the scan. I'm like, I physically know your report is wrong just by the test I'm doing. Like, yeah, like you're, you're so off. Yeah. So 100%. someone has limited opening and then they click and then they open fully. You know what the diagnosis yeah. is before the MRI. Yeah. So I literally saw a patient today and they were questioning me because the report on the MRI says disc is in normal position. And like, she no, needs not. an arthrocentesis for right anterior displacement without reduction. <laughs> and she has a joint diffusion. No comments on either. Yeah. like see, So I literally, because I, 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 I feel bad because I understand what they're talking about. So I literally pulled up the MRI and showed the exactly where the disc was and the effusion was in layman's terms, obviously. Yeah. And then I told the person, just so you know, a radiologist will read this MRI maybe once a year. And I invented a course to teach people how to read these MRIs. Yeah. So that gives you some clout there. Yeah, I, I felt like I had clout and they understood, but... And then they're it, like, it, sir, it, that's actually the wrong side. That's the left side. <laughs> <laughs> but it puts us in an awkward position where the report is not matching what we're saying, and if it leads to treatment and surgery. So a lot of times you have to get the radiologist and make an amendment. It's quite annoying. So well, my plug here was going to be, if you haven't done the MRE course and you are ordering MRIs, it's in your best interest. Do it as a refresher. Course. 
do it as a refresher. Yeah. And if you're if you're just looking at reports, you're doing it wrong. I tell every patient, I will not. I need the the MRI and the report. Bring me the I will disc. not just see the report. Bring me the disc. Otherwise, I, there's no point in me seeing you. Yeah. Because I do not trust just the report. Yeah. And again, like a lot of times they're going to be right, but you're the one ordering the test. And if you're mm -hmm. competent to read the test, which is why you're ordering it as well, let me see the actual test. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable reading, and I don't blame you, because as I said, I was I didn't used to be comfortable in this. Take the course. It'll take you a day. It's You're not paying for it. Oh, yeah. I'm not plugging something yeah. that's going to cost you money. It's free. MRE.ca. You can do it in a day. And you'll be able to look at the MRIs and tell. Because if it's wrong, it can dramatically impact your patient. This patient, if I just got the report, I would say, oh, you're normal. You know, conservative diet. Yeah. Suck it up. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something I wanted to say, and I, I'm glad you've had a similar experience with that. Next thing I wanted to bring up was the CRAOMS had its election, and we are proud to present the next president, the president-elect, I guess, currently of the CRAOMS. Mm -hmm. yeah, this is something that's close to our heart because we've both been through that path, is Hanmin Miao nice. uh, from uh, McGill, current McGill So it's resident. going back to McGill. Going back to McGill, taking over from Emily from Laval, so staying in the Quebec region. Yeah, yeah. Going back to him, and he's actually a loyal listener. You know, I feel bad. We've never mentioned his name. I mean, I've never mentioned his name, even though I've known since day one. He's listened to literally every episode, and he's oh, a big supporter. Like, so that's on you. Promotes then. it. That's on. It's you. on me. He promote he promotes it, and he really appreciates it. He actually generally enjoys it. Wow. So um, you have dropped the ball tremendously. I've dropped the ball, but as we mentioned in a previous episode, you sound like Cena, not <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> Do not put me in that guy's category. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Well. The funny thing is, Cena's working backwards. So it'll be two years when he finally finishes episode one and then, and then goes back, back to yeah. this so one. You won't yeah. hear this. You'll never hear this. Yeah. But yeah, we get a lot of people that reach out, a lot of, uh, thankfully, a lot of positive feedback. And sometimes it's tough to remember everyone or give everyone a shout out. So I apologize for that. But no, congrats to him for being the next president. No, it's exciting. And we love that experience. We both did. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely really liked it. And hopefully he'll do some big things and we'll, we'll see what he's up to and happy that he supports the show. No, that's great. Well, Oscar, that's all the current events I have to talk about today. So why don't we jump into our journal club? All right, Oscar, this month for journal club, we're reaching into the IJOMS. You know, as of the time of recording this podcast, JOMS still hasn't released their March that's weird. episode. I don't know if they're, are they skipping an issue? Did I miss something? But there's no March issue. Yeah, when you sent me that text saying I, I was confused, I'm like, that's we're not that early in the month. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on here. So we looked into IGMS and said, which is nice. I like to get some of the international stuff as well and prove mm -hmm. them. So this was a good one. And as we said, we like to do the journal club to talk about new research that's coming out and update our knowledge, work on our ability to critically appraise articles, but also for the most part, it just stimulates our conversation about yeah. some kind of topic. And this one is, does the use of topical anesthetic reduce the perception of pain during needle puncture and anesthetic infiltration? A systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. So, pre-screening, we love the topic. Yep. The authors are from the Department of Oral Surgery in Brazil. Huge shout out to Brazil, by the way. Brazil. They, they pump out a lot of research. They pump out oh a lot of research. Oh my gosh. I'm like, are you guys doing any oral surgery or are you just doing research? <laughs> they do a lot of yeah. research. And I'd love for someone to tell us the, the origin of that or why that happened so much, but they pump out a ton of research. Yeah, like even when I was doing my master's project, like, most of the articles about my topic, which had really nothing to do with what I would think is in Brazil, a bunch of them were done in Brazil. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, I'm not sure. But they're, maybe they're very pro-research in their yeah, industry. Yeah, good for them. We need people to do that. So I'm, I'm all for it. 
Exactly. They also have someone from the Department of Prosto. We love collaboration. Not sure we needed collaboration on this topic. Does Prost, I mean, sure. Okay, does Prosto even give local? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no. Like again, we love collaborations, but is this one needed? Probably not. But the person wanted to get in on the article. Yeah, and listen, we can't blame them for that. You know, you want to get in? More power to you. That's like that guy uh, who wants to produce our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you already forgot his name. Yeah, it was Brad or something? Yeah, Brad. Yeah, good yeah, job. Sure, yeah, yeah, Brad Ray. Yeah, good. I was, uh, I was impressed. I thought you forgot his name. So getting into this, systematic review. So we like that and meta-analysis. So basically what they're saying is that the fear of pain caused by the administration and infiltration of local is one of the most common excuses for avoiding dental procedures. And we know that's true. Yep. People hate the needle. Yep. That's the fear. That's the anxiety. Like who wants it, really, realistically, though? Oh, I hate the needle. Yeah. I'm terrified of it, too. The ability of topical anesthetics to penetrate the oral mucosa and produce anesthesia is well documented. So that, that part I was happy with. I was like, oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. We know that it does penetrate, so that's good. So several authors have reported that topical anesthetics reduce pain upon insertion of the needle, while others have reported that their use, when compared to a placebo, has no significant effect on pain reduction. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting a bit into the weeds, which is what we know, which is that some people say it does some stuff. Some people say it does nothing. Yeah. And, and we're hoping this article will shed some we'll light. Clear it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the aim of the systematic review of RCTs was to determine whether the use of topical anesthetics is effective or not in reducing pain during needle puncture and local anesthetic infiltration when compared to a placebo. So Which Oscar, is two different parts. I was going to say, explain, explain the difference. Yeah, and so I, I thought that this is what I actually liked about the article. They're not just saying does topical work or not. They're saying does topical work in two specific aspects of giving local anesthetic. The one, the first thing is where you actually pierce the mucosa with the needle, which is the one thing they're testing. And the second thing they're testing is does it also have an effect once you actually start giving the anesthetic? So start injecting the fluid and is it also giving like reducing the pain of that? So I thought that was smart by them to do that. Me too. And before we get into the results, like before I even read the article, what was your intuition telling you? Because for me, I thought it would help for the needle insertion, yeah, but not help for giving the local because that I feel like is more of a PKA acidity, yeah, pressure the expansion, the rate of rate of injection. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I agree. That's exactly what I thought. And just from when you do it, like you kind of notice it when the, you, know, you pierce through, they don't flinch as much. So just anecdotally, but then as soon as you're going to start to give local, they start to still move a little bit. So that's why I thought it's going to be, it's going to help with the insertion. It's not really going to help when you start with the infiltration part. Yeah, me too. So 22 articles for qualitative and quantitative analysis are pretty, pretty decent size of articles. Mm -hmm. And all the selected articles were randomized control trials with a total of 1,029 patients. So that was really good. Yeah, that's a good number. That was very solid. So when gender was evaluated, female patients reported more pain, less pain, or the same level of pain as male patients. So that's a wash. Yeah, like there's no difference there. Which is good because females often get a bad rap with pathology and research because a lot of pathology is more prevalent in females. All the TMD stuff, they always focus on females yeah. and, and complain about females. So it's good that it was equal in this. Now, one kind of red flag, or not red flag, but confounding factor was they used a ton of different topicals. Yes. They threw everything. Like what to what topical do you use? My honest answer, none. You don't use any topical. Yeah, so my honest answer is none. So that's why you okay, we're, we're, we're gonna get to we're that. Gonna get that's what I say. I don't want to ruin that part. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, no spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. No spoilers. So your honest answer is not okay. So I, I use benzocaine, which I think is what most people use, but we'll get into that. But they're using two percent Lido, a Lido patch, 
5% light up, 10% light up, 20% light up, 60% light up. They're injecting a topical. <laughs> like 60% light up. Yeah. They don't even give like, the damn. needle after. They just froze the patient with Emla cream, benzocaine, uh, rapivacaine, gingocaine, legocaine. That's got to be a made up one. I don't think that no, is. Like, legocaine. They, they just started putting cane on everything. They're like candy cane. They're like, yeah. Exactly. I, I can't remember if I said if I use pivocaine or benzocaine. It's benzocaine. Needle gauges were 25, 27, 30, or 33. And we use the standard yellow 27 for everything. I don't know about you. For awake patients, 27. For sleep patients, uh, red tip, 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, get the local one faster. Wow, I've never used I've actually never used a red tip needle before. And I'll take that from one of the partners at our practice, Peter Julius. He, I saw I was just shadowing him when I first started. I'm like, oh. And like he never uses it like on awake patients, always the yellow. But then when they're asleep, he uses the red. And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Wow, I, I've never thought of that. And you think so it yeah, we're make, learning. You think it doesn't make a difference? Watch. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it will. I'm like, sure you will. will get your local in definitely faster. Oh, wow, that's good to know. Now, one crucial thing is some studies, they in 15 of them, they dry the mucosa with the sterile gauze before doing the topical. I have heard that you have to dry the mucosa with the topical, but come on. Who's Spo got the time spoiler alert, you're getting to my point of this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And then regarding the pain perception associated with it, six trials reported no pain reduction when compared to a placebo. And four trials reported an improvement in pain perception when compared to a placebo. So we're getting, we're still getting that yeah, mixed. same, both sides of the argument. Now, when it comes to needle puncture, 17 studies did find that topical antibiotics showed a reduction in pain for needle puncture specifically mm -hmm. compared to a placebo rather than the overall experience. But then 10 studies showed no difference compared to a placebo. Luckily, benzocaine was found to be the most effective in the reduction of pain related to anesthetic puncture in seven clinical trials while in two other trials, it was only effective in the mandible. So you're getting all these yeah, different... that's what's hard you about know, this topic. Yeah, and it says, you know, mandible or base of the maxillary groove. They're getting to like specific locations. It's like, uh, Yeah, like if I got to worry about that, but again, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, so now we're thinking, okay, may or may not be effective. Maybe benzocaine's okay. Maybe in certain locations, other people say it does help. Other people say it doesn't, but you have to dry the mucosa first. They did say it was favorable in the palate, but they usually mainly used an emla anesthetic. And I'm like, <laughs> no one's using no. an emla topical anesthetic <laughs> yeah, like, on the on. palate. <laughs> yeah. So not really relevant to people us. putting an emla patch on the whole palate. It's like, okay, relax. Yeah, and, and then other studies showed that the mandible, it showed no difference. So... Overall, some positive aspects towards needle puncture, but nothing conclusive. Mm -hmm. And then for anesthetic infiltration, it seemed like almost all of them said no. it did not help. Yeah. Which is what we would have thought. Mm -hmm. um, the only time it helped is when they used 60% lidocaine and left it on the, for 10 minutes. because they froze it already. Exactly. Like you <laughs> don't even need minutes. the local anymore after that. 60% lidocaine, topically for 10 minutes. I want to say... 50-50 chance of local anesthetic toxicity. Like, like, like that person is not going to feel their their upper lip for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I thought that was pretty wild. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, for infiltration, didn't seem to help, which I think makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense. So moving on to the discussion. The meta-analysis described showed a pain relief with topical anesthetics, but does not, for needle puncture, but does not bring pain relief during infiltration. So a nice kind of summary point there. They also said, in general, needle, needle gauge does not influence pain parameters. I don't know. I, I don't I, believe that. I find and, and that And I know we sound like those people who say, oh, in my hands. Like, But you know what? <laughs> I don't believe it. I just don't. When I'm injecting I, that 25 and they're asleep, yeah. I can tell that's a thicker needle <laughs> than the 27 when they're awake. And anyone that's ever had a, any kind of local, yeah. even the 27 yellow versus the 30 blue. blue? For sure. Come on. 
The blue is like a tiny little pitch. Yeah, no, like 100%. So that was kind of a, a summary of the article. So I thought it was well done. I think that, unfortunately, a lot of it, you know, it talks about the preparation and what you're supposed to do. It talks about if, really effective if you drive for at least two minutes is the minimum, but 10 minutes is better. I could see maybe the assistants in the room waiting for you and they're drying the mucosa in anticipation. Or I think in some places, maybe in Ontario, I might be wrong, but the assistants or the hygienists can put the top that. for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's an Ontario thing or a different province thing. We don't we don't do that, but I'm not sure if that exists somewhere. I, I'm not actually sure. So I could see that being the case that maybe they're putting on advance. So it's there for two to ten minutes. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because of all the different topicals they use that we don't even use, or maybe we don't even have access to some of these, and also the length of time, I I don't think it it really answered the question to its fullest degree. But let's open this up for discussion, Oscar. What's your current practice? When do you use local, if at all, and, and why or why not? You mean top, topical? Because local, sorry, topical, local topical. I always yeah. use. Come on, what do you think? Yeah, butcher now? Like, let's, let's not be crazy. <laughs> topical, sorry, topical. Uh, yeah, so topical, uh, as at the... We kind of spoiler alert when I said I don't use any. And so I will say I'm kind of joking in that, but not really. I use it mm -hmm. if a patient is unbelievably nervous. And so when you have that extraction with local, you can tell how nervous the patient is, right? The person mm -hmm. that's gripping onto the chair, they're unbelievably stressed. Then I will do everything that I can. But if you ask me the majority of the time, no, I'm not using topical. I don't, you just don't find it, it helps. I, I just much, don't right? find it. And it's probably because, yeah, like I'm not taking two minutes to leave it on there to dry the mucosa. So if I followed it to a T, I, I probably would see a benefit, but I'm like, my local is really gonna be in so quickly. And if I'm not doing the protocols the way it should be, it's not making any difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I think I'd probably fall into the majority of practitioners where I use it for locals. I don't use it for sedation cases. If you use it for sedation cases, I'd walk off this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not coming back on. <laughs> yeah but no that um, makes sense you should use it for every local every local oh, i use it yeah that's good yeah every local and do you, uh, do it, it. Do you put it, it on the palate and on the like buckle surface everywhere yeah, everywhere i'm gonna inject i put it wow good for you you're a nicer and, human but, being than i am but whenever i do it i make a point of mentioning the patient i'm gonna do it because i find the first time you go in the mouth they're really terrified of the needle so i just kind of say like i'm gonna rub some topical jelly first yeah so it kind of warms them up to the process and i feel like it also lets them know that listen i'm trying to reduce the amount of pain that this is going to cause but knowing that does it actually do anything i'm not sure because i do find for example maximum infiltration if you do it correctly it's usually not that painful anyways and mandibular block even with topical it hurts when you get to when you start injecting like it, yeah it, it, no one likes it yeah especially when you're doing the buckle though oh actually that's the worst one the long buckle. i tell them i tell them every time i'm like most of these probably won't hurt and like usually the patients don't complain and then but like and i tell them this one you're not going to like me and then yeah the long time, buckle yeah. is really bad it's yeah you're fun. right yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to hear from our audience if they use topical or not. Definitely reach out to us. We'd love to hear what people do for their local cases or in general, what they're kind yeah, of- Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm actually interested to see what the numbers are. Like, is it a 50-50 split or is it a 90-10? Most people do it and 10 people don't. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm interested. Also, it'd be nice to stratify by, stratify by number of years in practice. Yeah. Maybe some people early on are more prone to using it and later on they realize it hasn't really been helping at all or maybe the opposite. They started using it later on the career and they find it really helped. Where you're like, you know what? You just, you practice more your patient management and you realize that even if it doesn't help, the patient likes it. Yeah. Interesting topic and, and something, to, something to think about. And definitely interested to hear from our listeners if they use topical and if they've actually found it helps them or not. Yeah. So I like the article. Will it change any of my practicing? No, but I thought it was good for discussion. Yeah. It's actually, honestly, for you, it's nice to point to something saying, because if it, if the article had come out conclusively saying it's worked for needle for puncture, everything? it 
it works, you would have been like, okay, maybe I need to start yeah. thinking about this more. Yeah. Now it's more like nothing changes. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's our journal club. Let's move on to our resident reminder. All right, Oscar. So for a resident reminder, this episode, we wanted to touch on a different kind of aspect of oral surgery. Something closer to your is, heart. Yeah, close to my heart. You know, a lot, I did a lot of this in residency and, the, and it talks about oral squamous cell carcinoma. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to talk about the staging because we like to hit in our resident reminder things that you are guaranteed to be asked. Because that's the point of the resident reminder. It, it does become, or such such a big topic, we could talk about things forever, but you want to, with the resident reminder, you want to hit up these topics that you're going to be asked for sure at some point during your residency. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you don't need to know every single little detail. Because even what we're going to talk about now has way more detail and way more mm -hmm. subcategories, but you just need to know the ones that you know for sure at some point, some attending is going to ask you or some exam is going to ask you. Exactly. And I mean, you know, not to spill any state secrets or anything like that, but American board exam, I had to stage an oral cancer. There you go. So it, it came up during the oral board exam that I just did. Wow. Okay. That's like, that's, I haven't taken the American board. So that's great. Yeah. So this stuff comes up. So we're going to talk about staging. This is specific for oral squamous cell carcinoma, only of the oral cavity. It's not oropharyngeal. It's not a different yeah, skin. Yeah. Because then we like got that. all those other ones. Yep. Yeah, but this is the most common one that we see in treat. I've seen so far in my practice three you have. oral squamous cell carcinomas. I don't know how many have you seen so far. And so you've only been in private practice since July. You're like yeah, the, so maybe eight months. You're like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> but you know what? One, it, of them, one of them was an eMERGE. One of them was pain on the tongue. And one of them they thought it was an infection. Oh, and you know what? I, I made it sound like a more of a, of a joking matter, but it's not. Like that. that's unfortunate. Yeah. You're providing, you're, you're, you're telling a patient really unfortunate news and it is i will say in our practice is almost like also a lot of times the new guys are seeing more path than the partners mm -hmm. so we become yeah kind of like grim reapers like when i first started there was a lot of vibes i was doing and i'm like oh this doesn't look good this doesn't look good mm -hmm. and we have two awesome orthopathologists and one of them actually reads at at, at sinai uft dr leong and she was crying oh, yeah. and she's like how many biopsies are you doing of things that aren't good? I'm like, I know this is not fun. Uh, yeah. So you were seeing it quite frequently at the beginning. Yeah. And not even just squame, but I was just seeing other like lesions, like salivary tumors that, that, that were going to need some significant surgeries. And I was like, oh, it's just not fun to tell patients. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really tough conversation to have. But the, the thing you want to get in your mind is you got to stage this. So we're going to be talking about clinical staging. So clinical staging means you do not have a biopsy. You don't have a pathological specimen. There's yeah. been no formalin, there's been no analysis. It's everything leading up to that. So that can include your clinical exam, it can include radiographs, scans, yeah. scans blood work, all that type of stuff. But it, but it's, there's no histological analysis. Once you do a biopsy or you do a resection, then you're your pathological staging. Exactly. So in clinical staging, we're always gonna talk about the TNM classification. So T is for the tumor, N is for lymph nodes, and then M is for metastasis. Which is so, nice because it has one category. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's easy for residents. Very easy for residents. Yeah. And even the staging is actually quite easy. We'll go over some tricks that you can remember. So for the T portion, you want to look at what is the size of the tumor in its greatest dimension. So if something's oval, you're looking at the length. Yeah. You know, you want to just, what is the biggest dimension? You pick dimension? the worst, that's it. Just pick the worst and measure it. And basically, a T1 is any tumor that's less than or equal to two centimeters, so zero to two. A T2 is two to four. T3 is greater than four. And then T4 is, you know, divided into locally advanced mm -hmm. disease or very advanced local disease. Yep. So 
for example, a T4A would be it's invading adjacent structures only. So like cortical bone or uh, into the deep muscles of the tongue, the maxillary sinus, the skin of the face. Whereas T4B, it's very advanced. It's so going it's going deep. Masticator spaces, pterygoid plates, yeah. skull base, encasing the internal carotid. Most of the time what you're going to see is going to be T1, maybe T2. And if it's super advanced, it's going to be T3, T4A. It's very rare. Yeah. For you, for, if, if you're not seeing in this that, field. if you're seeing T4B, like someone's really either not been seen by a physician or someone has missed the ball completely. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So that's what you want to do at first. You want to measure the size and the greatest dimension. That's get your your T classification. Then you want to move on to N. So this, so that's easy. T is easy because you're seeing it clinically. You're yeah. measuring it. Grab and a pair, grab a ruler. That's it. Numbers, very easy. Then we get into N. N is your lymph node. So there's N1, which means you have a metastasis in a single impsilateral lymph node that's less than three centimeters. So that means there is a positive lymph node, same side of the neck as the primary tumor, mm -hmm. less than three centimeters. Then there's N2. And N2 is the one that always confuses people because it's divided into these categories. Yeah. So just to break it down, N2A is the same as N1, but instead of less than three, it's between three and six centimeters. Yep. N2B is you have multiple lymph nodes, but none of them are greater than six centimeters. That one's the one that's a bit weird. It's a little bit weird. Yeah. And then N2C is you have multiple lymph nodes bilaterally or on the other side, and none of them is greater than six. Yeah. So you just have to, it's just something you have to commit to memory. Once you commit to memory, it's really easy. Like, like now I can do it. Exactly. Like the like back of once my it's hand, remembered, just, it's done. Yeah. You have it. You just know N1, you know, less than three centimeters. N2A, three to six, same side. Mm -hmm. N2B, less than six, multiple, same side. N2C, contralateral or bilateral, yeah. less than six. And then N3, obviously, is just going to be greater than 6. So those are the kind of numbers you have to remember. And now you have your T and N classification. Now, remember, you're going to do your palpation. You're going to palpate the cervical lymph nodes. And you're going to do that on your screening and on your exam. But a lot of times, this is you're going to discover after you get your CT next. Exactly. Like, really, how detailed are you going to be measuring? You can't, right? Like, what you're palpating, you know that there's a lymph node. But you're, until mm -hmm. you get that scan, you're really not knowing the size of these. So a former fellow at McGill, Osama Al-Gamdi, he's a former resident. He always used to joke when he was a fellow or a staff. I can't remember when he said this line, but it was pretty funny. He said, you know, if you look at the literature, palpation of the neck, what is the sensitivity for detecting positive lymph nodes? And we were like, I don't know. It can't be that high. He's like, 93%. <laughs> he's like, in an experienced hands, you will detect 93%. I said, what about like in a junior resident's hands? He's like, 40%. <laughs> he's well, like, you guys don't feel anything. 40% minus 20%. <laughs> So yeah. I guess his argument was if you feel all the necks and you get used to what's normal, then all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, that feels a little bit different than yeah. normal. Yeah. And, and you I know, just, I, I would probably agree with that. Like an experienced hands, people that are doing this routinely and are not just dabbling in neck exams, mm -hmm. I think you would be quite good at it. And for all the junior residents, just make sure you're not feeling the hyoid bone. <laughs> you're like, oh, there's a massive one and it's firm. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're going to have your T classification, your N classification, and then last is M for metastasis. As Oscar said, super easy. M0, there's no mets. Yeah. M1, there is. Yep. This is metastasis. So that's pretty easy. So you'll have your T and M. So let's say you could say something with T1, N0, M0, things like that. And you're going to do your workup. So your clinical workup for us would always be clinical exam, radiograph. So you can get a pan, for example. You can get a CT of the face and neck with contrast. Mm -hmm. You can get a chest x-ray if they're a heavy smoker. 
or they have a positive lymph node on your exam, you can get a CT scan of the chest and then you're going to get your labs. So you want to get your LFTs to see if there's any abnormal activity of the liver that could indicate distant metastasis to the liver and your other routine labs. So that would be kind of our workup, our standard workup of any patient. Yep. Uh, and that would lead to our clinical staging. Okay, so that concludes the TNM classification. Before we finish, I just wanted to mention staging real quick. So once you do your TNM classification, you want to then stage the patient, you know, stage one, two, three, four. So for staging, first, it's always hard for people to memorize, but it's actually pretty simple, especially the early stages. So the best way to think about this is stage one is T1. So T1, N0, M0, just, you know, your run of the mill T1 cancer is stage one. Stage two, similarly, is T2. So T2, N0, M0, that's your T2. So stage one, T1, stage two, T2. Stage three is T3. So, you know, T3, N0, M0, but also anything that has N1. So a T1, N1, a T2, N1, a T3, N1, those are all going to be stage three cancer. When we get to stage four, we have to divide into 4A and 4B. 4A is going to be T4A, and it's going to have either N0, N1, or N2. And then it's going to be anything else with N2. So T1, N2, T2, N2, T3, N2. All of those are going to be stage 4A cancer. Finally, we have stage 4B, and that's going to be anything that has T4B or anything that has N3. So you're thinking T4B, N0, N1, N2 or anything with N3 in it. So T1, N3, T2, N3, T4, N3, etc. And finally, stage 4C is anything with M1. So to summarize, you want to think stage 1, T1, stage 2, T2, stage 3, T3 or N1, stage 4A is T4A or N2, stage 4B is T4B or N3, and finally, M1 is stage 4C. And that's kind of how we would classify people. And keep in mind that once you're forming this, it, it just becomes easier over time. It's really hard at the beginning. You're trying to remember, remember. And it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, it is a bit overwhelming. And it's a heavy topic, as you said. But once you commit to memory, it's boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And like you said, it is a lot of it is practice. The more you more patients you see, the more patients you screen, the more patients you work up, the better it's going to be. And for those of you wondering, like, why does this really matter? Well, the treatment. The treatment's radically different based on your staging. So your clinical staging can determine what the workup is, can determine what the surgery is, yep. can determine the prognosis, five-year survival, need for adjuvant chemo or RADS, like all this different stuff. Like there's a lot of things that go into this. So it actually definitely something matter. worth, yeah, definitely something worth committing to memory. And I think this will be really useful for all our residents. And it's something that like we talked about is once you get it down, it is pretty easy to remember. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, that concludes our resident reminder. Let's jump into our final section, recommendations. Okay, for recommendations, it's weird, Oscar, because we do this podcast once a month. Obviously, sometimes we have to have breaks or we can't record an episode, but it's pretty consistently once a month. Yeah. So that means you and I talk all the time. We're, we're texting, if not every day, five out of seven days of I the week. I would say, for sure. I'd say about five out of seven, maybe. And we record this every month. So it's guaranteed we're going to chat each month, which is nice. It's something for us to look forward to and catch up. But it's weird. I find this recording feels like it's, it's been forever I, since we talked. I, like I could not agree with you more. Even when we were trying to plan the date, I'm like, 
how long has it been since we recorded? <laughs> it just felt very long. And then we realized it actually hasn't been that long, but this it hasn't does been feel that long. like the longest stretch. I agree. Yeah, it, it's it's always a month, but it feels like a lot longer. So I'm not sure what that is. Even but. the ones where we missed a couple because like either I couldn't or you were sick and we missed, I think, two episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. That didn't feel like as long as time from, from this episode. And I don't yeah, know why. Definitely. So it's nice to be back on track. And, and it always comes home to me with recommendations because it kind of shows what we've been doing mm-hmm. the past month and what we've been watching. I'm not going to touch on the obvious one. We're just going to mention that Formula One Drive to Survive is back, obviously, season four. I haven't finished it yet so i don't really want to give a review or talk about it i know that you've been are you finished it already are you like, knowing you 100 oh, percent. yeah it's, i was gonna say yeah, i'd be shocked yeah, if you weren't yeah, done already done. and I honestly like it wasn't even me leading the charge there i wanted to delay it a little bit more lexi's like we need to keep watching i'm like oh my god <laughs> but yeah I, I actually i won't say anything because you have i'll let you finish watching we'll talk about it next month the next month for sure yeah i'll be done by next month and i watch it with bianca as well and we're, we're, we are trying to actively space it out like we will not watch more than one episode in a day oh my gosh you guys are no, amazing no. i wish we had that self-control because i want i want to draw it out over time no i agree over time I, we tried and then we're like four episodes in and we're like what just happened we're half the season <laughs> where'd it go <laughs> yeah. yeah so we want this is just like a public announcement that it's back obviously and everyone should be watching that for sure season four but i had a couple other recommendations okay, first one it. i'm gonna get into is tv i don't know if you've seen the show on netflix it's called the last kingdom yes i want to say yes and no so like you say your thing and then i'll tell you what i've seen so season four just came out which is why i mentioned it because i'm watching season four i've watched all of it up until now it's a medieval show yeah so it's kind of about you know the olden days and medieval times and it's kind of you know the english versus the scots versus the danes and things like that mm-hmm. i think it's very similar to another show that people have watched called vikings that i haven't seen because that's my recommendation really yeah. okay so that's why I'm oh, wow. okay. Yeah. so we're gonna have a little bit of a theme here yeah. so i haven't i haven't watched vikings it would be on my list of things just because i do like the last kingdom and they're supposed to be similar but i will give this a strong recommend if you like that like i really like that type of stuff medieval I love sword it. fighting ticks, and history i start looking things up like they'll put a topic and i know it's fictional but there's based on a, a bit of real yeah, history it's loose loose loosely, loosely very yeah. loosely but so i'll start yeah. looking it up and i'll be like oh look how interested and then lex is like why are you looking that up just watch the show yeah yeah so i really enjoy that and i really recommend the show it's a netflix show so it's only you know 10 episodes for a season Mm -hmm. for example i think and it goes by quick and i would say you know i love the politics i love the back you know the scheming the backstabbing all that stuff what i will say is a huge strength of this show without going into spoilers is two things one it moves quickly meaning when they say they're attacking. We got to go meet them at this village to stop the war. It doesn't take or four fight episodes. Them. No, it's like that episode. Like yeah. the next scene is them like riding up to yeah. the gate. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, that's okay, good. It's like, happening. It, it happened. It moves really quickly. So it's good. The plot's always moving. And number two, similar to Game of Thrones, they're not afraid to kill people. Oh, off. They're, yeah. It's like if someone needs to die, they die. And so that's when, when you said, do you watch it? So I said yes and no, because I'd seen the first two seasons. I really liked it. But then I just lost track of the show. Mm. And but I really liked the first two the first two seasons. And then I was just flipping through Netflix and I'm like, oh, there's a new season here. But I have to catch up on the third before I get to the new ones. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. All right. So it's good. At least I found something for you to watch. And yeah, watch season three and then catch up on season four. And I really like the show. I find it very enjoyable. So I would recommend that to people. Nice. And so mine is along the same lines. It's kind of funny because we didn't talk about this. Mine is is Vikings. But there's two Vikings. So Viking, the original one, which I actually mm-hmm. haven't really watched and I'm regretting and I should have watched. I'm watching the new one that came out, which is Vikings Valhalla. 
Yeah, isn't that like the prequel or the sequel it's or something? It's the sequel, so it's like 100 years down the road or something But you've like never that. seen the original. But you don't really actually have to see the original to oh, know okay. what's going on. It's kind of like a, a show on its own, but because I like this show, I wish I mm -hmm. saw the original, and I'm now going to go watch the original. Oh, okay. And I same okay. thing, I definitely would recommend if you like this medieval wars, Vikings, yeah, English Empire. Land, yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. If you like that, you're going to like the show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I definitely need to watch Vikings once I'm done uh, this season because I, I do like that style. Yeah. Uh, I like that. And, and if you if you like this, then you have the ability to watch Vikings, which has a couple of, like a bunch of episodes, and then you have Vikings Valhalla. So you have a yeah. bit to watch. Yeah, I'll do it in the correct yeah, order. You, can, you don't you. pull a Cena because I'm doing a Cena right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was my recommendation. I had a random other recommendation. Remember, sometimes we like to throw in like life recommendations. Yeah, we like those. So... As you know, I, I bought the Acura a few months ago, and one of the features that came with it, mm -hmm. like this wasn't something I paid for, mm -hmm. it just came standard with it, was a remote starter. Oh, I hate you. So I didn't even realize this. I, I obviously know what a remote starter is. I know that you can like pay afterwards to get them, or sometimes you have to carry a separate thing around. I didn't realize it was a built-in feature of some cars, but mine came with it. And oh, when I'm I go so to work, annoyed. so for work, it's outdoor parking. For you, you have a home, so you're parked in the driveway. So for you, like... You would use it even in the morning. I'm in an apartment, so I have underground parking, so I never have to do it in the morning. And let's clarify. I live in Midtown Toronto, so I don't have a covered garage. So yeah. my car so you, sits outside. It's exposed. And it is yeah. cold in the morning when you're getting up at 7 to go to work. Exactly. Yeah. So in my, I'm lucky because I'm in the apartment. Um, oh, when I look at my condo, your car is nice and warm. It's sheltered. It's sheltered. No clearing no. the snow. Everything melted off. It's perfect. But I go to work, I park outdoors, so it can snow and stuff like that. And then I was like, oh, I might as well start using this remote starter that came with it. So pretty much when I'm done working the day, boom, hit the button on the thing, starts up the car. And then I start my routine. You know, I'm getting changed and turn off the lights in the office. Getting there. So by the time I get down there, I think it works for like five minutes yeah. and then it auto shuts off or something like that. Yeah, well, especially with the price um, of gas. It better shut off after five minutes. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking that. I was like, man, I wonder if my gas is going way up because of this remote starter. Because now I use, do it every single day. Yeah. Dude, what's nice is, and I feel like this is a bougie feature of my remote starter is, the car will turn on and it will sense what the weather is. So in wow. winter, it heats up your steering wheel, the seats and the AC. Wow. It turns on to like uh, get the car nice and hot and it melts all the snow on the front and back. And then in the summer, I haven't done the summer yet, but apparently it starts and it cools the entire this car. This is a Deer Valley remote starter. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So I had never experienced it before. Now, the problem is I'm so hooked on this now. Oh, you can't so, go back. There's no From chance. now until the end of time, I can never go back. I no. can never go back. It's like I putting on your get... own ski boots now. You can never do that again. <laughs> I'm gonna, every car I buy now, I'm going to ask if it comes with the remote starter and if that's a paid option I can upgrade to. Like, So you're never going to get an Audi because the minute we got ours, we didn't. We lived in the condo. But then when we bought our house, yeah. we're like, oh, this sucks. But is and, it not a feature you can add? And so we asked them and you can add like aftermarket, like on your own, but Audi itself doesn't have it. Oh, well, oh, okay. They don't have it itself. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess it must be car brands. I feel like that's something that will catch on though, especially in Canada. I thought it was a lot more popular, but the guy told us that a lot of the German cars were like Saudi's German. It, it wasn't allowed in Germany. So that's why they don't do it. He could have been uh, completely lying to me. I didn't look into it further, but yeah. I was not happy. And so now that you say that you have it, I'm even less happy. For you, man, I would even consider just getting an aftermarket one just for your mornings. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I didn't think it was going to be that annoying. Lex from the beginning said, oh, like it's going to suck in the winter when there's snow. And I was like, ah, it's not that bad. And now you get up and you're like, I got to go do that. It sucks. I can't wait for you to get one. You come down 
<laughs> you hit the remote starter, get it warmed up, get it going, make your smoothie or breakfast, whatever you have, you come out and your car is completely defrosted and melted and warm and it's blocked in the driveway by <laughs> Lexi's car. So you're taking her car that day. So, well, first of all, there's no chance that would happen because if Lex knew I had a remote starter, she would steal my car. That's right off the bat because <laughs> she's always cold and I'm always hot. So that's for certain. And second of all, because our we have a home in Midtown Toronto, we only have our driveway is single car. So we just have to park one behind the other. So the way it works with us is whatever car is the first one and the first person that leaves takes that car. Uh, you just take either one? Yeah, okay. like it's indifferent. That's funny because when we got our Mazda, I love the Mazda. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I find it's like a really, really great value, especially for like a CX-5, like a compact SUV. Yeah. And I like fell in love with that car. And then I got the Acura and then I got started driving that. Mm -hmm. And I can't go back to the Mazda. Oh, I'm, like, I'm so in love with my Acura it, now. No, it, it, it's true. You get used to your car. So I still drive my car more often than I drive Lexi's car. But when I do drive Lexi's, I'm like, because she's got a, a Q3, like a, a small SUV and I got a sedan, like mm -hmm. a car, a two-door car. And I'm like, my car is just more fun to drive. Yeah. Like it's just more responsive. Because they're similar, because yours are both Audis, they're similar, but it's just SUV versus compact. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I just like driving my car better. I'm happy you're jealous about my remote starter. Oh, I am so jealous. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't think I'd have something that would make that, you that, that jealous. Is, that is so annoying. Like I honestly just hope you're paying a ton for gas. That's the only thing I can hope for. That's the one problem is <laughs> I it's it's starting up. And sometimes I, let's just say I get behind at the office, I don't make that five minute timer. You're like, that thing better turn off now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that uh, concludes our episode of March. It was always great catching up with you. And hopefully our listeners enjoy the recommendations that we're giving. And thanks for all the people that have continued to reach out to us all the time. And uh, all the new listeners that are joining, we're getting more and more listeners each week. No, it's great. And each month. So we really, really appreciate it. Once again, we always love to hear from you guys and hear feedback. Maybe to some of the questions that we asked during this episode or uh, feedback on things we said. Or if you want to be a guest on the show or have any suggestions for guests we always love to hear that please reach out to us you want to produce the show you want to be part of it <laughs> you want to produce the show you want to fund the show yeah. you want to sponsor the show please reach out to us that's a teeth and titanium omfs at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you that's it from me and oscar uh, have a great night man we'll see you guys in a month